Good morning. Welcome back to another Noodleberg Daily Huddle. And we missed you yesterday. We have been graced by the presence of Julian Sidney Noodleberg, who will be here for the first few minutes of the show. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Friday. Happy Huddler in the Hot Seat Day to you. Good morning. Good morning. Excited uh, for the Huddle in the Hot Seat or the Huddler in the Hot Seat. Uh, going to be amazing. Obviously, we were talking to him a little bit before the show. Um, so it should be awesome. But uh, I had the opportunity to go see that little man right there yesterday. And what a bundle of joy he is. He is eating everything in sight. He is grabbing everything. He is walking. He is pushing the dog out of the way. Um, he is just the bundle of joy and brings me immense happiness every time I get to see him. It's funny because I really considered naming him Tank Noodleberg before he was born. And boy, was that like a premonition of what was to come because he is no doubt a tank, right? Yesterday was a fantastic day. Had the opportunity to go to Nova U School Middle School and speak to the eighth graders there for Career Connections Day. Shout out to Sherry Cedar for throwing my name in the hat for that panel. And oh, what a great time that was. We spent two hours there. I was on a panel with a judge from local down here, a personal injury attorney, a NFL combine trainer, and it was great to share the stage with them and hear the commonalities in overcoming adversity to get to where they are and talk about just the philosophy of what made them successful and what got them to where they are. And I chose to talk primarily about opportunities and choices, and it was a great time. It was uh, it was cool, and I, I want to uh, com- or you know compliment U School for the system that they had in place for getting everybody to the right rooms. There were four panelists, there were moderators. They were the guy, and I don't know the gentleman's name, but the gentleman that ran the first room, the director of the middle I school. Was almost scared to step out of line. Like I looked at Mark and like whispered something and I was like, Oh man, I might be thrown out or, you know, but kudos to them for running a really efficient program. Um, you know, and getting that group of people to speak to the kids in a really engaging way, I thought was super cool. It was awesome. And like you said, it reminded me of like the old college official visit days or like the junior days where you had like thousands of kids on campus and you organizationally, Jules is very excited that mommy is home. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they did a great job. So shout out to, to you school for having us there yesterday. Shout out to the eighth graders. It was great stuff. Vaughn Dugan is our huddler in the hot seat this morning. For those of you that do not know Vaughn, he is a number one family man. He is uh, a dear friend of mine, somebody that I met early on in my career when I moved back down here to South Florida and got out of football. We're going to talk about his journey through the, I believe it was the club promotion scene into the culinary world, into the nonprofit world and all of the things that he's done throughout his life. So let's get to some wake up music. We'll come right back from wake up music. We're going to have Vaughn's entrance music. Then we're going to have Huddler in the hot seat music. Let's get the day going.
So good morning to the huddle audience, Jody, Michelle, Lori Kuzneski, who did a phenomenal job last week and continues to hold the bar very high. Melissa Graves, Greg Goldstein, Shelby, great to see you here this morning. Eddie Dykes, thank you for a wonderful night, Wednesday night. We are proud to be partners with you guys and continuing to grow as family businesses together. As I said, Vaughn Dugan is the huddler in the hot seat. And first of all, his walk-up music is so perfect because it is exactly who he is. And after the uh, walk-up music, we'll get the huddler in the hot seat. and He will be here with us. Let's go. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. to the huddler in the hot seat and the noodleberg daily huddle good morning gentlemen how are you oh living the dream sir as we would say to everybody else tell us something good how do you how do you not dance to that walk-up song there well first of all the reason that i chose that for you is because there has never been a time that you and i have been together that i didn't walk away from the interaction just straight up happy like you are the only person i think that i know that regardless of circumstance, I just leave happy. And it could be because you constantly feed me whiskey and tequila, but I don't know. You know, your bro- you know your brother's on the screen too, because that's <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you that you're not that person. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to be here, man. Tell us something good, Mr. Dugan. Um, a lot, you know, a lot to be grateful for, um, you know, being uh, right now heavily involved with the hospitality industry. Uh, things are going very well for us, at least. I feel like things are heading in a positive direction, um, despite all of the woes of the economy and uh, things like that. But got a hap- I'm happy, I'm healthy, my family's happy and healthy, and that's really all that matters. So for those of the, those people in the huddle who do not know you, don't know your story, I would love for you to give everybody like the Cliff Notes version of how you got started being an entrepreneur, how you got into the culinary scene and what you're doing now. I, I've got, I always have to start with like actually, actually with my first entrepreneurial experience. It was when I think I was probably about 10 years old. The neighbor knocked on my door and my mom answered the door and he was like, hey, uh, do you know anything about your son cutting grass next door? And she's like, yeah, he's just trying to earn a couple bucks. And the gentleman's like, no, he's got a crew of like four or five of his friends cutting grass for everybody in the neighborhood and directing the crews around. He's like, your, your son's going to be OK. <laughs> um, so fast forward to my freshman year at Northeastern, my zero zero GPA didn't impress anybody, particularly my parents. So uh, I wound up down here at uh, FAU. 
and spent a lot of time at FAU. While I was at FAU, um, got involved in the nightclub business. So I was a nightclub promoter, a DJ. Through that, I started my first business down here in Florida, which was actually printing. Uh, I was doing graphic design printing for all the nightclubs down here. And that was a, a, a really good business for me. Kind of, you know, I bought my first house with that business. And, you know, that really set me off in, uh, on my entrepreneurial journey down here in Florida. That was in the early 90s. Uh, from there, I decided that I was going to open a pizza concept, pizza restaurant. Uh, all organic pizza concept called Pizza Fusion. We grew it from a, a small 880 square foot location in Deerfield Beach, sold about 50 units in about five years, expanded to 13 states, three countries, um, which was a, a tremendous learning experience. It was one of the, the greatest successes and also one of the greatest failures of my life. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot from it. I took away a lot from it. Uh, from there, I met my partners, Rodney Mayo and Scott Freilich, and opened up Kapow Noodle Bar. Uh, which we have two locations now. We just moved from our original location on the west side of Meisner Park to the east side of Meisner Park in a location about three times the size. I did not know that that happened. We had just eaten there a couple months ago. And we, we just were in, in late, late September. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations on that's that. A short, that's the short version, but we've done a lot of things so in between. My, my I wife want, and I have a... I want to double click on on part of that story that you shared with me before. You talked about Pizza Fusion being your greatest success and your greatest failure. Can you talk about what that means for people? Um, you know, I think I, I heard it recently. I said, like, if you're not failing, you're not really learning. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know where I saw that, and I'm probably paraphrasing it a bit, but it really, really resonated with me recently um, because – I think a lot of us really get down on ourselves when we, we think we have a failure. And obviously failure looks different to everybody. You know, I put my socks on wrong all the time. Like that's a success, just getting my socks on. So the fact that they're mismatched, is <laughs> not a problem. Um, but, but it, you know, the level of like self, I don't know, we, be, we beat ourselves up too much. Sure. Um, but I try and now learn as much as I can from my failures. I just try and react to them a little faster than I used to. Yep. Um, so you know, when you look back at that pizza fusion experience, what was the failure in it? Because you grew it, lots of states, lots of locations, very we, successful. Yeah, we scaled too fast. We didn't necessarily prove it. We had a lot of changing of the guards um, in terms of upper management. And, you know, it was just it was too big, too fast. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't really have a proven model, which obviously, if you know, a lot of people are following any kind of scalable business model, you've got to prove it first. Yeah. Uh, or at least most of the way. And so were you able to scale because investors and money came in? So it was like, great, it's a good idea. Let's just keep growing it. Or what, um, how did that really happen? So two things that it was perfect timing. It was the perfect storm for us. We started an all organic, fully sustainable restaurant concept back in 2006. Right. So I think that same year, craze. Bill Gore's Inconvenient Truth came out. Him and Leonardo DiCaprio were pounding the, the green drum. And it was a perfect wave for us, yeah. um, which catapulted us in the press. So we were in every major, like Entrepreneur Inc., every restaurant publication, um, which put us in the spotlight. It put me in the spotlight, too. I was doing a lot of speaking engagements throughout the hospitality industry. Um, rubbing elbows with the likes of like the CEOs of companies like Starbucks and Darden and Brinker. And, you know, I felt awkward sitting at the same table with these people because I was a young kid. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. So, uh, you know, perfect timing for the business. 
Yep. Um, it was my first restaurant. You know, I, even though I grew up in the business, my first job, I was 13 years old washing dishes illegally in the state of Rhode Island. <laughs> um, you know, very humble beginnings. But, you know, here I am now. And, uh, you know, we grew too fast, really, is what it come down to. So what you took that lesson that you knew you wanted to stay in the culinary scene because that was a passion or what was the reason for then pivoting towards Kapow Noodle Bar and how did you get there? Oh, man. So the two gentlemen I partnered with and started Kapow with, Scott Freilich, Rodney Mayo, two well-known restaurateurs um, and personalities in like the nightlife business in Palm Beach County and Miami as well. Um, we'd been friends for quite a long time. I was actually doing all of their printing with my previous printing life. So I was also the promoter and the DJ at all their bars and restaurants. So it was like, you know, they saw my success when I started Pizza Fusion and it looked a certain way. And I saw their success in a different way. I wanted more of what they had sure. because they were a little more mom and pop. Pizza Fusion got really corporate and really big. We were wearing, you know, ties to corporate board meetings and uh, you know, my board members were all bankers and, and things like that. Um, so we decided one day the space next to the Dubliner Meisner Park became available and the three of us decided to partner up and the rest is history there. So what, how did the concept for Kapow come about, really? Um, without pretending I sound like I was kind of like I had a crystal ball, which I definitely didn't. There was just a, a, a missing component in the food landscape down here, and that was Asian. Yeah, uh, properly done Asian. We'd seen the success of David Chang at Mama Fuko and a lot of his places. Yep. Um, so, you know, I guess the. So you saw the whole. Yeah, you just saw the opportunity. This is the really interesting part that I love about you is like, what did you know about Asian? You know what I mean? Like, I, unless I'm missing a missing link somewhere I, I, in your past. Like, so, so it's funny. I was really big into Japanese culture prior to opening kapow and but one had nothing to do with the other like it wasn't you know anything like that but yep um but yeah so for it was those just, of you that have never been to kapow the food is off the charts it's one you. of my favorite asian restaurants that we have down here in south florida how did you do it right this time obviously you haven't scaled too fast because it's still the two locations in west palm and in boca yep. right but those have been very successful for you over the years, what's been the secret ingredient to the success? So it's funny, like uh, uh, quickly, we weren't successful at first. You know, there was a time in year one, maybe even into year two, my partner and I were sitting at the bar looking out the, the windows going like, are we going to turn it into a burger joint? What are we doing next? Because wow. it just wasn't catching fire like we had hoped. Um, it eventually became wildly successful. And I attribute that 100% to just really, really digging into the local community. I mean, we became... Um, not only just pillars of the community, like we did everything we could and took every opportunity to interact with every nonprofit. Um, you know, I don't think we ever said no. I'm sure my inbox will be full after this with people asking for assistance, but we will gladly contribute. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you've got to be a good citizen. You know, there's, there's so many restaurant concepts that come in from out of town yep. and, you know, it's take, 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 and you've got to have more of a give, give, give mentality to, to be successful in this business. So in that first year, as you guys were looking at it and like, are we going to turn this into a burger joint? Was that the moment that you were like, no, we, we got to double down on the plan or, I mean, for me, you always, ever since I've met you, you've come off as this person that just genuinely connects where you already, you had already been involved in the 
community, maybe the nightlife in a different part of the community, but was it a shift of direction of, well, we got to get more involved with the nonprofits and a larger scale of the community? Or what was the shift? It's a great question. I think for us, we just believed in the concept. We had like, we, we were all in it. And to your point, we doubled down. We're like, look, we got to stick this out. I see it. It's going north. The numbers are trending the right way. Um, yep. So let's just stick it out. We were also kind of caught in the middle of the, the taco boom, you know, like there's a million taco restaurants opening up everywhere. And we were kind of the, the cool new Asian place that was still very foreign, no pun intended, um, to, the, to, to the food landscape. Yeah. Um, now, now Asian is the new taco. Well, what, is that where the wonton taco came from? Like, was it because you were like, we got to get a taco on the menu? Um, yeah. You know, we, to, if I, if I may, uncle Julio's was right around the corner <laughs> and there was a line of people that were lining up every Tuesday to go to taco Tuesday. And as a business person, I was looking at everyone walking by and I was like, we need to do a taco. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so again, you just capitalize on opportunity. You know, we, we did, we did it more of a kind of poking fun at taco Tuesday yep. um, than anything. And again, that's one of our busiest nights of the week. I mean, you've done an incredible job of creating community events. You know, there's always something happening in Meisner that Kapow is in the center of. You've done a great job of partnering with FAU to do things. You're always in the event space. I know you did something with Brightline where you could train up and down. How have you kept the creative juices flowing and finding unique ways to put yourself in position to take uh, take chances and basically, you know, find ways to leverage the community that way? That's that's a phenomenal question. That's like actually that's the part of the business I love. A, I love people. Yeah, I truly, truly love the hospitality side of this. I love meeting people, shaking hands. Um, But these partnerships, like meeting guys like you guys, like it's been like your, your dad too, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. I met him when I had pizza fusion. Yeah. You know, so talk about how that carries over, but surrounding yourself with phenomenal people that can teach me something um, is also extremely important. And when we first opened this new Kapow, we doubled sales, doubled the size of the space, doubled the amount of staff, so it was a lot. It took a toll on me mentally. I kind of wanted to crawl in the corner uh, many nights. And we made a lot of mistakes just because we didn't know we didn't know um, entering that game. Um, so I just started hiring people that could teach me a few things, which allowed me to step back from being in that business all the time, you mm-hmm. know, from washing dishes, cleaning toilets and things like that. And it allowed yep. me to get back to what I love to do. Um, and then I just started finding ways like we could create unique partnerships and opportunities like that Brightline partnership. That was a blast. Um, yeah. Having a location in West Palm Beach, a block from the Brightline Station, and one now in Meisner, a block from the Brightline Station, created a unique opportunity for us to have a little bit of a party train. Um, I, I know that coming out of the pandemic, there were a lot of hospitality businesses that did not make it, let alone you know come out of it and, and grow and continue to be successful. You did something very unique and very powerful that I was super proud of you for during the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And I, I have to be completely honest. I have to give my partner Rodney like a hundred percent credit for kind of spearheading that whole movement. He saw that right away. He was like, look, it's bad. It's we're all going, we're all going to shut down. We're all going to be without work. What can we do? Are we going to sit back and do nothing or we've got these, these kitchens filled with equipment and all kinds of stuff. How can we give back? And we immediately pivoted three of our locations right out of the gate. 
to start serving meals every single day to all of our out of work uh, hospitality brothers and sisters. And that ended up blossoming into servicing a lot of the other like um, uh, food kitchens and organizations, church organizations that usually have their own kitchens and their own kind of because um, a lot of their workers and volunteers were of the demographic that were staying home. Yeah. So they had no way to prepare food for their people. So we were right down the street from Boca Helping Hands. We helped them out whenever we could. Um, so we, we we went from just the hospitality folks to everybody that we could. I think at the end of the day, we ended up serving about a million meals. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, in a time where it was your business, it's your livelihood, a lot of people got, you know, introverted and said, oh, well, I got to take care of me. What am I going to do for me? You took your asset that was your livelihood and turned it outward and found a way to serve everybody. I don't think that there is a surprise that, you know, you came out of it successfully. But how did you navigate that internally? Like, that's got to be super uneasy and super uncomfortable going. This feels great that I'm helping everybody. But how the hell are we going to do the mortgage this month? Or what are we going to do to keep the lights on in our own house? Um, I just got the chills for some reason. I don't know why. I was, that's a great question because I just feel like I relived that actual feeling. Um, I think for one, you, you, we all got punched in the gut, right? Some yeah. of us got punched in the face too, right? Afterwards. Um, right. <laughs> I think you just had to realize that you are where you are and there's not much you can do out, uh, about it. So we kind of gave up that control. Um, and we just... I don't want to say we had fun with it because it certainly wasn't a fun time, but we made the best of it and we did everything we could. But that I think that feel good of going to work every day with purpose and passion, yeah. you forgot about the rest of it. Like, look, my bank's going to they're not going anywhere because there's probably a few, you know, hundred million people in this country probably doing the same thing I'm doing. Right. So, again, we, we did everything from doing happy hours in my warehouse for my bar staff so they could raise money. Um, for themselves, um, you know, just we day by day. It's like everything else, you know, you just take it and roll with it. So this has been a fantastic conversation. Wait, we're done? Without, it, we, are, we are coming up on time already. Oh, wow. You've absolutely crushed it. Your, uh, your story, your passion and purpose, your doubling down through adversity, all of that unbelievable I'll ask, one, I'll ask one question because if yeah, I go, ahead, if I go the entire time not speaking, I, I, I'll get yelled at by my father Sorry. probably. You know, it's okay. You can't just but sit there and look good either, Jake. You know, you can make no, ourselves look you know, thank you. I look great today. The sun is <laughs> signing to know today. But what keeps you going? You know, you've had success. You've had failures. You have a seven-year-old son now. You, you know, what really gets you up in the morning to keep going to work, to keep climbing, to, you know, to still be humble too? You know, and like to what, start a new business. Yeah, for right. those of and you then, who yeah, don't know, like right. start another new business. Yeah, don't say that to my wife, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, again, uh, it's weird. It's I hit, I turned fifty uh, in September, the week we opened the new Kapow. Wow. Um, it was a big celebration for two reasons. I don't know if that was the turning point for me, but up until that point, my ego is one of the things that kept me going. And the day after I turned 50, I had a whole different outlook. And it really is that profound for me. Like I wake up every day for two people and that's my wife and my son um, and myself, of course, first and foremost. Um, but I get to work with my wife in multiple businesses. I get to see my son all the time because we've got a really cool office. He comes and hangs out here. Mark, you've been here. Yeah. Um, and it's my family. They literally like it's it's went from me, me, me and my ego to like 
all right, I know why I'm doing this. I really have purpose now. So, so that's you, cool. You, and so, you, and you I take away is right. You didn't right. separate everything. You didn't. Yeah. It's you combined all your important things together and make them yep. gel. And I think that's what I've seen with people who try to separate the silos and live different lives in every different yeah. silo. It becomes way too much for their mental. And then one lacks and it breaks down and then it leads to the other. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your journey. Um, Great definitely. Point too, yeah. If there's uh, if there's one thing that everybody in the huddle should know about you, what is that one thing? One more time. I'm sorry. If there's one thing that everybody in the huddle should know about you, what is that one thing? Look, we all have bad days. Just just keep going. I mean, there, it, it again, perseverance. Like if I would have turned that into a burger joint, I would have closed it. <laughs> so keep going. Congratulations, Vaughn. Thank you so much for Thanks, being guys. my friend. Number one, thank you so much for being a huddler in the hot seat. And uh, you and I are way overdue for yes, an in-person visit to that office so that you can get me drunk in the middle of the day. You'll be my you'll be my second podcast get podcast get, uh, podcast guest. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, yeah. Vaughn started a podcast. I was his first guest, and it was so bad that he couldn't do another episode <laughs> after it, and he ended the podcast. Yeah, it wasn't because of my guests, that's for sure. Oh, uh, thank you, Vaughn. You Thanks, guys, guys have a fantastic Friday. Get get down to business this weekend. Remember, the yeah. grind includes Saturday and Sunday. We will see you on Monday. Let's go have a great weekend. Thank you, Vaughn. Thanks, guys. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business.